everyone. Welcome to Flyover Footy. It's going to be a classy joint tonight. If you're not looking at the stream, I'm holding up a classy glass of red wine uh, to go with this classy uh, attempt at a mustache here. Since Jake's not here, I got to try to keep up with that. I hope everyone's having a good night. We have two special hosts, special and dear to me, Matt Baker and Santiago Beltran. Matt, how's it going, bud? Pretty good. Everything's going fairly well today. Uh, I'm not purposefully rocking a stash. It's just the five o'clock shadow. Haven't shaved in days. Looks good on you, I think. Hey, you guys are uh, growing the stash in honor of Roman Berkey, right? <laughs> That's right. That's really what it is. Yeah. I've been working on the muscles in honor of uh, Roman Berkey, and that's that's not happening. But <laughs> that's a that's a losing battle from the beginning. <laughs> Santiago, how are you doing, man? Oh, great, great. Uh, it's been a good week so far, and uh, we we got a we got a treat today, Phil. Uh, we went to the media availability for City Two, and there you go. There was Roman Berkey available for the media, so that was good. Yeah, it was a surprise. They did not say he was going to speak to us, but he was the second person to come up. It was great. A nice surprise. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, I talked to a USL friend of mine, Evan Villela from the USL show today. He's like, how was your day? I was like, well, I just talked to John Hackworth. I just talked to Josh Yarrow and I talked to Roman Berkey. So that's a pretty damn good day. Uh, so tough to beat that. Yeah. Right. Especially if it's a USL guy who like really loves and appreciates all those people as well. Um, great. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. And so we need to try to dig in immediately. We got a couple long ones and then a bunch of quick ones in the middle, and then we'll see what we can fit in at the end. Um, I think we need to start with, uh, we'll go chronologically here in a way, Minnesota United two um, versus us. It was a victory this time, but it was a comeback victory, right? Matt, you want to get us started on this one? Yeah, uh, not really a comeback. It was almost yeah, it one yeah. of those that was we held on to it. So yeah. we started off. Oh, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Started off fairly strong. Um, you know, Josh Doling led off the scoring in, uh, what was it? The 21st minute, I think pretty early, um, mm-hmm. right footed shot from the center of the box. I mean, he is one of those where, uh, Ezra Armstrong played him through and in, in doling in typical doling fashion. Um, Ezra, I think in that game played really, really well on the left side. So I was, I was excited to see him get into the scoring action because he seems like he's, always there in all of the games that he's playing in that left mid, but now he actually got an assist and that was exciting to see. Um, second half, Sergio Rivas. I mean, uh, that left footed shot from the left side of the box, it just kind of was a beautifully played ball by Akil Watts through to him and it just tricky beat the keeper. And that was enough to, that was enough to do it. Um, as a fan watching, that was kind of enough for the stream because it cut out on us for most of the second <laughs> half, I think. Um, Azeel Jackson, who we were watch, watching for uh, from our forecast show um, in the last time we recorded, he had the assist on the Minnesota United goal, which I don't think we were able to see that, but I, I went back and looked at the highlight. Um, yeah, that, that was... I mean, we got the job done. We went in and we did what we needed to do. It was a little bit more of a possession match for us. We had over 50% possession, 51.2 to 48.8 for them. And they got off a lot of shots on us. So we didn't, we didn't stifle them in their attack as much as we had previous teams. It was actually 13, 10 shots with even three on three shots on goal, which is not a typical city Two matchup. Um, I'm, I think that's, 
about as much or if not more than we could ask for given the previous performance uh, where they shut us out for nothing, I believe, and we were on their turf. So all things considered, um, very impressive going into the bye week. Yeah, it's something that seems to work on us every week. I believe we've touched on this before, but that big switch to a talented winger seems to get us pretty well. And again, Azeel Jackson looked incredible in this game. Um, he continues to look good in this league and, and against us, um, unfortunately. So, you know, I, we saw a lot of that, but we did. We saw just a lot of quality Minnesota uh, poking through and getting some shots off. Um, they seem to be one of the better teams against our style for some reason. Santiago, any other things that you noticed in this game? Um, you know, no, obviously, uh, great, great bounce back <clears throat> victory for CDSC2. Um, but yeah, no, comparing uh, this game to uh, the game a couple of months ago where Minnesota won 4 to nothing, it was really <clears throat> a different game from the beginning. Uh, just thinking about the previous game, like Minnesota was pushing from the beginning and had a. Uh, mm a few chances to score uh, but on this game St. Louis um, controlled Minnesota pretty well and yeah there were um, some shots on goal but not as many uh, not not as many as what we saw when Minnesota won 4 to nothing and City 2 was able to control the game and um, I went back and looked at the highlights today and uh, the goal the Minnesota goal wasn't there uh, mm. Or I don't know if I if I missed it. So I, the feed not only cut out for us, but it cut out for just <laughs> the universe. MLS yeah, <laughs> yeah. So obviously, yeah, we had had quite a few issues with the feed, um, but yeah, I was out. Oh, let me look at the highlights since this game was like a mm. week and a half ago, and uh, I had even forgotten that uh, Snyder missed that PK. Um, yep. And just sure. thinking about that again, the team. Uh, bounce back from that and score like 10 minutes later i was looking at the um the highlight for that goal uh, obviously great assist from from armstrong uh, but looking at how that play began like it was a, a bold um st louis recover and uh, i believe it was uh palazzolo that passed it mm -hmm. to um Armstrong and Armstrong right away you could see dolling like signaling and say hey i'm here uh I'm open and right away he 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 put that pass in the right place and 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 dolling like um he he went for it right away and it was a great goal. But uh, you, over, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, how often do you see a striker or an attacker call for the ball constantly like that and just get ignored either because someone doesn't have the talent to get it to them or just like they don't quite trust them to put away a difficult finish, you know, but I've seen over and over if Dolan's calling for it, they're often looking for him and want to get it to him. I don't know if that's that's not common. I feel like it's not in my experience, but, you know, I watch a lot of USL games, so maybe that's it. I cut you off, though, Matt. What were you going to say? Well, on that front, I think I think that's just part of the style that we run, where the ball mm -hmm. seems to play through our our well fullbacks that play as wingbacks, but also our our uh, side midfielders, and they're kind of our de facto number tens, where the ball's played through Celio on the right side in the last few games, and through Ezra on the left side, and they're constantly looking up top over the middle. And doling, no matter if he's if he's deep or if he's waiting for the ball to then drop it off to somebody, I think the I don't want to call it a false nine, but he, they, they almost play the ball through to Doling as if it's not necessarily going to be the finisher. 
Like he's a, he's a facilitator just as much as he's a finisher because of how deep he often gets once he receives the ball. And I think that's really unique that allows our, our left and right midfielders to really be engaged in different ways than we might otherwise be used to seeing. But when I was looking at the uh, at some notes and thinking back on the game, one thing that I, re- I was reminded about are our formation. So we always like to analyze, you know, how we're lining up and what kind of formations. And often um, it is a version of a four-two-three-one. I like they they can say we're not really con- concerned about formations, but that's what it is. We have we have our uh, fullbacks. Usually it's Kwame or Ezra on the left side, DeRosa on the right, Hebert and Yarrow in the uh, as our center backs with either Max, AJ, or Akil uh, as those holding mids. And then we have our attackers. And in this game, um, you you thought because the announcer said we were in a 4-2-3-1, but I don't care how many times he said it, uh, <laughs> we were clearly in a three-center-back role where um, Ezra and DeRosa were wingbacks who were just getting so high up the field. And we knew it was going to be interesting having Akil um, start with AJ and uh and max so that was an interesting uh starting lineup and akil ended up in that center back role so he was on i think the right side center back and so for the longest time i think until the first substitution that was our that was our form and then we eventually shifted uh once akil moved over at halftime i think um moments later after that we shifted into a 4-3-3 once kwame came on for ezra and so Kwame, our usual left back, uh, slotted in there and stayed a little further back. And then as soon as we had that uh, Rivas for AJ sub, where again, we're shifting out those defensive mids, playing with our back back line, um, we moved into that 4-2-3-1 with Max and Akil in those holding mid positions and Rivas being that center uh, attacking mid with, I believe it was... Um, uh, Juan and Celio, Celio's shifting out left, Juan out right, um, giving us that more tradition look that we're used to. So th- the takeaway is that City 2 is playing with some of their formations with some of their players so that we're seeing uh, Akil, Max, and AJ line up where we're not used to seeing all three of them on the field at the same time much. Shows to the flexibility of the players on the roster, but also I think the flexibility of the system that we have, that it works with both the three center back wing back formations, as well as what we're used to seeing, which is our fullbacks just playing so high up. Yeah. To me, it speaks to Hackworth and kind of the freedom that he was given as well by Lutz, because a lot of this screams John Hackworth. If you look at how Louisville played in the, in the recent past and um, he's done all this stuff and I love how he's adapting it to whatever players are on the field. It seems like, I think you kind of hinted at that. I agree with that, Matt. Um, And I also wanted to call myself out because I did not uh, figure this out correctly. You nailed it from the beginning and I doubted you for a minute. And then I was like, oh gosh, he's totally right. So I want to, I put that on Twitter. I didn't put the apology on Twitter. So I want to make sure I, I said it now that, uh, sorry, I doubted you on that one, Matt. Um, but yeah, it's, it was really cool. And today we talked to, um, the three guys we mentioned that earlier, but you know, I mentioned a hack. I asked him about how Akil, you know, obviously he's playing a lot of positions and he got that assist once they moved to that four, two, three, one to Rivas. And, um, just a beautiful assist. Um, and I, I also kind of thought about that with how Minnesota plays. It seems like they had no interest in, in possessing the ball, Matt. I think, you know, if you mentioned that it was 51% possession on our side. Yeah. And I think Akil, 
is a good player to have. He's kind of a problem solver in his brain where he's looking for something to work and looking for players in behind like Rivas, you know, that wasn't an easy pass, but it was such a classic Akil Watts pass uh, this season for us. So, um, you know, just some things I noticed in that, that hack, you know, mentioned how he played three positions in that game, I believe is yeah. what he said. So, yeah. And so cool that we got that. If we are going to shift, shift formations like that. It was yeah, almost wait. like it was a where's Waldo with, with the Watts. Yeah. You know, that, that right center back shifting over to left back, shifting up to, uh, holding mid six, you can call him an eight depending on, mm-hmm. um, but it, I mean, it was, it was fun to watch. And he's been one of those guys this entire year where no matter where I think he's best suited for that holding mid position, but, uh, which I didn't expect coming into the season based on how he had played before. Um, a pleasant surprise, but that, I think that's why he's one of the most exciting players to watch because of his versatility and his ability to get up the field when he, you don't necessarily think he needs to. Yeah. And, and that first half, uh, when he played, um, center back, he did, he did well, uh, he played well. And, uh, it's funny when, when Phil asked, um, John Hackward today, he was like, Oh yeah, Achilles everywhere. So <laughs> uh, that was, that was good to see that, that, he can perform in different positions so that's a that's a great great thing to see from him absolutely the the versatility is going to serve him well when we have conversations about who's going to move up as well for sure especially uh i imagine he's they're going to keep him down on the two roster at the beginning of the season but i know for a fact we'll see him filling in some holes i was thinking exactly that today matt Cool. Let's talk about North Texas. Uh, this is one I think we've all been looking forward to quite a bit. The one little uh, fun, cool thing that Santiago asked about, uh, or no, someone mentioned the rules. I can't remember, but um, that if someone gets a red card with North Texas in this game, this is the only team that it could come back and, and pay off later because we do see them again later. So that's something to watch out in this game. That's all I got though for this one, Matt. Uh, I think you dug deep on North Texas. I'd love to hear what you what you found. I'm just going to say this one time. Be careful, Ezra Armstrong. He's, <laughs> he's the guy who's tops on our team in yellow cards. Could hurt us so, too. Yeah. So I just, as long as I don't want to lose him for that game, just take <laughs> it easy on some of these challenges. Um, we're catching North Texas at a really interesting time. So aside from the elephant in the room that we'll get to in just a minute, um, there we we thought we would be playing them you know the top two teams in the west uh strongest teams that have been here all season going at it this would be the matchup we look to to determine that that winner in the west that would really separate themselves and while we've had um you know the unexpected loss to the rapids too we had the win against minnesota and a bye week the north texas has been kind of on a skid so their last two dating back to the beginning of july are a 4-2 loss to skc2 a 3-1 loss to the Quakes 2, and a tie and loss in PKs against Dynamo Dose. Now, those teams aren't necessarily anyone to to look down on. You know, the worst is Sporting KC2 in eighth position in the table. But, you know, I, I think that that kind of shows they're, we're catching them at the best possible time we could all season. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with injuries either. They're still having their top stars play in these games and they have a lot of quality forwards. They have a lot of depth because FC Dallas has fantastic Academy, fantastic system. And so they're able to rotate a little bit while still keeping a lot of their, their main goal scoring threats engaged in the game. And they were all active in these matches where they lost. So it's kind of interesting that they're, they're in such bad form when they're coming to St. Louis. And I think it's the perfect opportunity for us. 
Um, the other thing that I had is the, the kind of, I, I came up with three keys to this game. And so then we could talk about probably the, the thing that we're most excited to talk about. Um, the, this is an interesting team that we're playing because they statistically match up so different than us. Uh, we are both goal scoring threat threatening teams. So they're fourth in the league in goals scored. We're fifth, but getting there, uh, is quite the different story. So the first key to the game, I think for us is, can we bottle their stars? And so they have three stars, um, aside from the two St. Louis university players who we'll mention, but their three stars that I had are Bernard Camungo. He's a forward number seven with nine goals scored this season. Uh, I think it puts him fourth in the league, three assists, and he's started just about every single one of their games. He has 20, uh, 42 shots and 24 shots on goal this season. So he is the guy who they play the ball through to get their goals. Um, Jose Mulato, number nine forward, has six goals, two assists, and he's played a majority of their game, also with a lot of shots, 30 shots, 15 on target. And then Hope Aveyevu, I'm going to butcher that name, Aveyevu, number 10, uh, listed as a forward, but he he seems like he plays as the number 10 in the highlights I saw. Three goals, but he leads the team in assists with six. 33 Mm -hmm. shots on goal, 12 on target. If we can stifle those guys, and if we can prevent the passes from reaching them, if we can prevent them from creating uh, those three alone, I think we're going to have a pretty good shot because it it is a massive drop off in statistics from go- their goal scoring threats, those guys to everyone else, and especially Aveyevu, number ten. If we can prevent him from really creating the chances, we're going to be in good shape. The other one is what's going to win out, our press or their passing. Hmm. So. We have this is where really the juxtaposition is on the stats is in passing. So if you look at passing percentage uh, for total passes versus accurate passes, North Texas is second in the league. Eighty three point eight percent of their passes are successful. St. Louis City, too, is last in the league in passing percentage with seventy one (laughs) percent passing. And the the volume is where it's kind of insane. So they have 2,000 more total passes than us throughout the season. Wow. Now, we've played 15, 16 games, and they have over uh, 2,300 more accurate passes than us. These numbers are insane as to how much they control the ball and pass the ball compared to us. And we know that's not necessarily our style of play to, to work out from the back, to pass the ball through our midfield. That's not really our style. So it's not surprising what our numbers are. It's that theirs are so much drastically higher and successful in their passes. Mm-hmm. So what that really means to me is will, will our press, which is designed to disrupt a passing focused offense, will it do its job? Will we disrupt them enough to prevent that from getting to their goal scorers? And the key area in the game to that, I think, is going to be in their backfield. So they're second in the league in accurate back zone passes, meaning the the accurate passes, you know, obviously in the back half of their field. They have over 3,800 accurate back zone passes. We only have 1,700. So that's another massive difference in where the ball is played and how the ball is played. So if we can prevent... If we can keep them in their backfield, if we can disrupt them back there before it even reaches their number 10 and their attacking threats, that's where we are going to have the biggest opportunity in this game. And then the third key to the game is what will the Berkey effect be? (laughs) So you guys hit on it earlier. Um, We've heard that Berkey is available and expecting to feature in this game. 
So I'll let you guys talk about the paperwork and everything. But the, the thing to the thing that the reason that that is such a big deal, not just because of how good he is and his reputation. And, you know, I, I hate to uh, I don't mean to disparage or anything. It's just pure stats on this one. But we are one of the worst um, goal defending teams in the league. So our save percentage is fourth from last city mm-hmm. twos is fit. We only we only save 58 and a half percent of our shots we have the we've allowed the fewest number of shots uh attempted but yet our save percentage is fourth from last so while we don't historically allow many shots because of our style of play the shots that we do allow are getting through and it's a reflection not only of our goalkeeping but it's a reflection of our defense as well because we've seen our defenders be beaten and and some of those goals are just not fair to place on the keeper but the level of the keeper that we expect to have, what kind of a difference can that make to maybe mitigate some of those defensive mistakes or in some of those other areas where maybe it's a long cross or the ball's played in deep, which we are very weak against long crosses, especially from the side. How can this, this goalkeeper perform? How can Berkey help us in that regard? And what kind of a difference can it make in the shots that do get through to our keeper? Yeah, I want to re- I just want to reiterate that and be really strong cuz you did say this Matt, but you know, our if someone breaks through to the goalkeeper, typically it's going to be one-on-one or worse, right? Yep. You know. So like our and you, we've already pushed a million guys up front, you know, the press has failed probably more than twice already, at least more than once for them to get to this point. So all our guys are upfield, goalkeeper's got one or two people to deal with he's less likely to save it than if there's like a center back or a fullback there trying to help him out. So that's happening to us more often than them. But yes, if we have a world-class goalkeeper, maybe we can just edge that save percentage on just a little bit more. Right. Which, which honestly is why I'm one of the many reasons I'm so excited to see Berkey is because I want to see how he performs when that, when that defense defense does fail, when the ball gets past them, when our press is countered and when that one-on-one situation is there or um if somebody slides in on the backside and we've been beaten many times on the backside cross before so what is it going to look like when we have this different entirely different level of keeper who maybe they're used to be used to seeing some of those different things that mcgrain or creek uh, may not be used to and and they've done an admirable job don't uh don't get me wrong they've done a fantastic job and they've gotten us to top of the the table top of the league so it's not anything like that it's just it's a it's an entirely different perspective it's a different class of keeper and so i'm very very excited to see how he plays into what our um, what our defensive strategy often ends up being. It's going to be a good one. I'm really excited. I think I can make this one, and so I'm really get excited <laughs> to get like, out there. Finally, Phil is going to make. It. <laughs> <laughs> I so, haven't been to a regular season game. I'm either out of town or I'm in this cover band where I have shows every freaking weekend. It's been killing if you're going to make one, it sounds like this is the one to make. I hope this so. is the one. I, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, what I've been thinking. I'm sad I'm going to miss it. <laughs> Hopefully there's a stream available for you to uh, to tune in on. A good one. I'm sure there will be, there will be one. The question is, <laughs> am I going to be How able good. to see the whole game? Right. So, so we'll but see. But no, on, yeah. on Berkey, guys, what did you guys hear today? Anything from Friday? Uh, I know when you guys talked, it was kind of, there was a question mark. Um, of whether he'd feature, and then that was very quickly clarified by Tom Timmerman today. 
Yeah, yeah, there was a bit of a timeline in our experience today, right, Santiago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so Coach Hackworth said, yeah, we, we hope uh, that he will be available, and not only available, but he will be in the game. Um, to be featuring, and then, right? Yeah, we'll be featuring <laughs> the game. And then uh, when we talked to him, he was like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to play on Friday. And um, after he said that, I I was thinking, I was like, hmm, I wonder what's going on. Maybe he, he has a slight injury or maybe his paperwork, but kind of didn't ask didn't ask him about it but uh, i kept thinking oh it's probably the paperwork the transfer something like that and then um tom timmer one tom timmerman came through and and said the paperwork had come through so so yeah he'll be he'll be there on friday it'll be interesting uh, phil and i were talking like is he gonna start or is he gonna come like in the middle of the game maybe second half it'll be interesting to to see how how the team handles that but uh but I, I from what he said he he's ready he has been uh practicing uh for more than two weeks and he said he he's now used to uh <laughs> to the heat the yeah. st louis heat <laughs> and the humidity uh, yeah he also uh he also said he hates losing uh that's something that more than once he said this that has stuck out to me he said it multiple times uh so it looks like he's a very competitive guy so um he's gonna bring uh the best version of roman berkey on on friday and and hopefully uh city two can can beat dallas uh and yeah as Matt said like they are not in good form but this is one of the games that early in the season when they were dominating the league we said oh this is gonna be a a really good game and even though they're they're not doing so well lately i think it's still gonna be a a good game between two of the teams that uh, maybe the winner of this game could be the team that ends up at the top of the conference so i'm um, looking forward to it yeah i mean the quality's there right and, and what more could you ask for yes they're two teams but they're both quality sides playing a totally different style of soccer so like you know, I'm so excited to see just like how this how this clash kind of ends up and what it looks like even as we're going through it. No matter the the ending, though, of course I'm biased that I want I want to get out of there with a win. Uh, but yeah, I, the, the only thing I'll say about Berkey is that yeah, like multiple times he said, "I'm really competitive. I want to win." In the last one he said was even in training, I really want to win. So if anyone's worried about Berkey, like phoning it in for a two side i don't see that happening you know like if he's going all out for uh you know free kicks during training and gets pissed if if his side loses um i think he's going to be okay in a, in a two side game so i'm looking forward to that any more well, thoughts what are you guys before we go what are your guys thoughts on what featured means because i i read that and my first thought is he's going to start but what do you think we would honestly start McGrain or Creek and then make a keeper sub? Because also keeping in mind how often we use all of our subs and how it's going to be 100 degrees uh, at game time, they're saying. And so the last time we played in this heat, we used all of our available subs and in with a little bit of time to spare, too. So we make we, our style of play inherently needs to keep fresh legs. In yeah. the heat, it's even more important. So do you really think that they're going, I don't want to call it wasting, but do you really think they're going to spend a sub on a keeper or start him and ride him through? Yeah, maybe start him and, and see how it goes. Um, maybe if he's tired or 
the game, depending on how the game is going, maybe um, second half, um, McGrain or Creek will come. But but yeah, just thinking about the temperature and City two needing all those subs, maybe he will just start. It, it doesn't make sense to waste one substitution on a on a goalkeeper. Uh, but yeah, right away uh, after. After the interview, I, I told him, oh, he's going to start. I said, no, he said feature. So so it made me think about it. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, I think at the, at the end of the day, he, he's going to start. So he chose his words very carefully as to not give the yeah. entire thing away. I think yeah. so, yeah. Maybe he just, maybe his goal was to make us talk about it for 10 minutes. Maybe that was <laughs> Which I'm <laughs> totally willing to do. Totally willing to talk well, about it. And I, I usually don't give any kind of hot takes, but I really do feel like with this heat, with what we normally sub, and the fact that subs help us, I think, even more than some other teams with the amount of energy we expend right. in a game, I'd really hate to see a goalkeeper sub involved in that. I really would. I, you know, I don't usually say something that strong, but, you know, if, if we got to get Berkey in there one way or another, you know, it is what it is, it, I guess. Entirely agree with you. And and that's where I'm coming from, too. And if we're taking Berkey is going to feature as the the fact Right. That's the thing that we start with. Then my inkling is he's going to start and we're going to need those subs. But there's a flip side to is do they feel confident that to Santi's point uh, that Berkey is fit enough for the heat to go the full 90, hmm. which um, nothing against his his fitness. It's it's purely the heat and humidity. Has he uh, been acclimated enough to it over the past few weeks to them feel comfortable? Like we think he can go and he thinks he can go. So we're going to we're going to go with it. Listen, uh, Everton lost to Minnesota United today, or it was 3-0 last I looked. I don't know if it it ended that way. Um, I was surprised how good Charlotte looked against Chelsea. And maybe this is just guys phoning it in preseason in the United States for a good time. Uh, But I think the Heat has something to say in that regard. Well, if we're talking about Euro teams, I'm going to plug Arsenal beating uh, Orlando City right now 3-1 in stoppage time. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm also going to get lots of hate for plugging Arsenal. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. What, uh, very quick, what do you guys think about these friendlies in the middle of the season against European teams? I, I'm not a fan of them. Mm, why? Say more. Well, because it's in the middle of the season. Uh, these teams have games on Saturday. And yeah, it's preseason for the European teams. Um, a lot of times they don't bring uh, like their best guys on the even put them in the game and it's just a risk in the middle of the season uh, especially if you have a, a game on Saturday like uh, what if your if your best player gets injured in that game like how do you justify that like yeah I had a friendly to make some money sell some tickets uh, get more fans but what if your what one if what if one of your top players gets injured I don't know it's just that for me it's not competitive uh just thinking about yeah. yesterday that inter miami lost uh six to nothing that that was like an embarrassment uh, mm. i think yeah, always- i think phil neville even called that the manager of inter miami i think he even called that the most important game in inter miami's history <laughs> which was did. which was not only that to exactly your point like that was embarrassing to major league soccer for him to have said that Mm. Yeah, but I, I if from a the neutral perspective, I'm fine with it. I, they can wear, wear themselves out all I want. We're seeing a U.S. team play Premier League teams I'm, and, and La Liga teams. I'm fine with it. But once it becomes our team next year and if we get that matchup, 
I'll be a little more guarded probably because I don't want to see our players in uh, have a midweek friendly match where we're we're definitely going to play our stars because that's what MLS wants us to do. Right. And they could get injured. They could be tired. They would. They're probably not going to perform as well that upcoming week. It's going to affect the on-field performance for all of these teams. We know it is just like CCL impacted um, all of those teams. And it's why Seattle got off to a bad start, why the Revs got off to a bad start. So from a, a competitive on-the-field perspective, uh, probably not going to be a big fan of St. Louis City doing it, but I'll still be excited about seeing them play mm-hmm. this level of competition. Yeah, I didn't even think about St. Louis doing it in the next season or the next season after that. But to be honest with you, I'm going to be a little grossed out at the kind of people coming out to pack our stadium to watch Chelsea or Arsenal or whatever the F we got to sit through these European fanboys. It's, it's going to bother me for sure. Yeah. I, I really think we're going to end up trying to get ourselves in that situation only because Charlotte did this year, they're brand new. And it just seems like one of those things that major league soccer is mm. going to try to push on us. If yeah. nothing else, like I could definitely see Lutz and Bradley and everybody saying, no, 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 we don't want to put our players through this, especially in the St. Louis heat, uh, on a friendly midweek match, but I can definitely see MLS trying to force it for the optics of the brand new stadium, brand new team Lutz himself to be involved in this. Yeah. You know, there's a lot that could be marketed well for MLS but to the detriment probably of the on-field mm-hmm. performance of a city. Part of me wants like a Dusseldorf revenge game for, uh, for Lutz <laughs> where he's really is motivated to take them out. Uh, but they're going to yeah. bring Dortmund, you know, they're going to bring Dortmund. Yeah, over. It would oh, make yeah. a lot of sense to be Dortmund, but at least it's not like Liverpool, you know, we're not going to have a bunch of guys showing up doing chants in English accents mm. and things like that. Please. Which hey. would happen, right? Wouldn't it definitely happen it if we will. played Liverpool? Okay. All right. I'll, I'll be fine with Liverpool just to see uh, Luis Diaz, Colombian. <laughs> <laughs> that one I have to see Luis too. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, Matt, is Pedro here or is Pedro not here? This is this, we got a question earlier about this as well. So, uh, Pedro was supposed to be here, from mm-hmm. what I hear. Um, there were I don't I don't know if visa issues are the right thing. There were paperwork related issues that prevented him from arriving mm-hmm. um, at a similar time that. Klaus came. Um, it is unknown if he's going to be in attendance on Friday. So oh. he might he might be if you're if you're at the game, be on the lookout. Interesting. Yeah, go on transfer marked and go look up a bunch of pictures of him. See if we can find those uh, flight trackers that that Twitter has <laughs> and that are all over the place. From uh, I, I don't even know what route you would take, but yeah, somebody was, I'm sure. I was looking for him today, but there are actually plenty of St. Louis players with blonde hair. So I was like, <laughs> I, I should have looked at pictures. I can't pick them yeah, out. The, uh, the academy was there. Some of the academy guys were there. Uh, yeah, they, they were uh, by themselves on a on a separate mm-hmm. part of the field. But it was interesting that they were there. Um, previously, uh, Coach Hackworth said that they plan to integrate some of those guys at some point mm. once they get enough rest from the season. So maybe that's the beginning of that. That'd be nice. Isaac Jensen signing is official now, uh, which is really exciting. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but I looked him up. He's a big dude. He's like six foot two, 200 pounds. And yeah, even like that. six foot two soccer players are typically not 200 pounds, but here we are. This is a big winger. It's not a normal thing. And he's only 18. And yeah, so, right. yeah. So that, that 
size of a player out on the left wing, uh, my 18 Danish, years old. Uh, see. for him. It's a different team. Uh, there you go. <laughs> still counts. Still counts. Yeah. Well, he never, he didn't really play much for their first team. Um, Sondrius, Yes, you did attempt it. Ooh. I said something like Sondrieska. I didn't even, like I didn't even look it up beforehand. I'm just like looking at the word and I should have done that. <laughs> I, I'm glad I didn't attempt it. Haji Wright's former club. He just got sold to Intelli right. Sport today, I believe, or yesterday. I'm going to make Sondrieska my final, final answer there on that one. Go. That sounds uh, good. Yeah, I think it sounds better than what I started with. <laughs> but no, is that, it it's, Jensen or Jensen? I haven't seen a pronunciation is, yet. It's Jensen, according to the club. Ooh, very, okay. very nice. And I think it's Isak, from Isak. what the announcers on some random site I could find were that saying. That would make sense as well. Not Isaac, but Isak Jensen. Isak, okay. But yeah, he'll be um, he'll be 19, I believe. His birthday's in December. And uh, he signed through 2026 with an option for 2027. And he is uh, an international slot. And, um, no, yeah, there's not a whole seven, 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 seven. Yeah. yeah. One, two, one, three, four, two, five, three, six, seven. Four, yep. Nice. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. So our, our, our roster concerned. currently, yeah, our roster currently, uh, from the back looks like right now we've got Berkey, uh, Pedro on the, the left well, they're listing him as a wing back. I think that's very oh. important to note. Um, Pedro is listed as our wing back. Joachim Nilsson. Uh, as the center back, our wingers are Ostrak and Jensen. So Ostrak's being billed as a winger, which yeah. is interesting. Um, and then Edward Leuven is a central mid with Klaus up front. Sounds right. So they don't, they haven't, they haven't fully billed um, Yarrow for uh, when they're listing out the 23 roster, but that's not because he isn't signed anymore. It's just they're fo- letting him focus on City Two without kind of getting the putting the cart ahead of the horse on this one. So. Mm-hmm expect to uh, have him listed later on but n- nothing don't read anything into not seeing yarrow's name on the roster from these announcements quick plug make sure that presser is going to be released tomorrow i think by the club on youtube and on twitter i'm sure watch josh yarrow's comments on the new designated players coming in or the the new european players coming in um dude he's just he's got a stone cold ice cold stare to him and he really means business and i really enjoyed his his comments on that one so so look yeah i enjoyed that too uh carson gibbs to slew this isn't terribly surprising but the way i asked it today to to hack where then it it was it was kind of ignored (laughs) which is fine it must not have been a good question but the fact that carson gibbs often if you lose a, t- a player from um, a two-team or a semi-pro team to a or an academy, even more so to a college, often that is something disappointing. You feel like they're gone forever, or you're going to have to go through the draft. In this case, him going to SLU, I feel like we could still get him back at any moment, and even through the draft if we had to, or if we're able to get some kind of a homegrown stamp on him. I know that's something maybe, Matt, that you were going to comment on today about him and other players. Well, Carson Gibbs is an interesting scenario because he wasn't an academy player for City. He he joined City straight to City 2 along with his brother and uh, Jack Wagner. So they were they were Gallagher kids, um, and and Gibbs played for his high school team. I want to say Fort Zumwalt, 
but I might I yeah. have that in front yeah. of me. Yes. Yep. South. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the interesting thing to that is they're not really losing an academy player. I I look back at Gibbs uh, progression and more see city two as the best opportunity that he had for himself locally to prepare himself for college. Mm. So, so whereas it, I'm sure there is a desire to um, play in MLS and continue to develop, obviously, because he's going to salute to play soccer. But I think this probably was part of his plan all along to leverage City 2 uh, to prepare himself while City 2 gets a player of the caliber of Carson Gibbs, who they didn't have in their academy um, and could just pull him in on an amateur contract. So I think it, it, it was like a mutually beneficial agreement that they probably knew was heading this way for a while. Yeah, I I agree, and 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 Phil, when when you asked Hakwar about it, he said, yeah, he he has been great this season, but he still needs to uh, mm. grow and mature on on his game. And going to Slough is a great opportunity opportunity for him. And he also mentioned like, whenever we can, uh, obviously following NCAA rules, uh, we'll see if we can get him. So that made me think like, can they get him for the? Um, the UPSL, or the, the UPSL team. Mm. I was thinking the exact same thing of how is he going to, if he comes back to city and the program before any kind of MLS engagement, that seems to be his option because that specifically was said to, um, allow players to retain their NCAA right. eligibility. Totally with right. you on that. Yeah. So I think I'm, that will be an option for him and he will continue developing and he will be under Kevin Kalish, uh, coach Hakuris spoke highly of coach Kalish. Um, they, they know each other and uh, have a relationship that goes way back. So, um, so yeah, I think he will be in great hands. Every once in a while, I have a moment where I uh, am just internally thankful that I've, uh, that you guys were willing to come be on this podcast. This was one of them. You guys really killed that answer. I really enjoyed just listening to you. Um, there's a Lufuse partnership. We, as usual, probably mostly in our dms we found we we figured out <laughs> that it was going to be a lufu sign and then we went outrageously crazy with what it could be uh which was kind of fun <laughs> um so maybe we can share what happened and also maybe some of those outrageous thoughts yeah oh hey. look at you matt look at matt, you you're, you're running out of room for the scarves what are you gonna <laughs> do I, i've got to buy a new house to fit them all or yeah. a new garage or something That's the I, well, I, I took my uh took my two-year-old who was home with me that day up to the high point and uh it became her scarf so this one this one's hers i'm starting to get the kids their own scarves now <laughs> that's awesome nice. <laughs> spread it to all the rooms for sure right um, but no to, to yeah. your to your point though we uh we were kind of positing okay lou fuse obviously has a massive impact in soccer so are they is it automotive is it automotive and athletic uh how deep does this relationship going to go uh, even in the the press conference and some of the statements, uh, Lou Fuse execs were referencing their longstanding commitment to soccer and and their own um, youth program that they have. And we know that Fuse has a presence in MLS Next uh, with their own academy. I don't know how high up it goes, but I know they have 13s and 14s in there. Um, so there, it, to me, there still exists that possibility that there is a could be some sort of a direct indirect pipeline that happens. But this particular announcement um, had nothing to do overtly with <laughs> Lou Fuse Athletic. Um, I, I still open, though. leave it in yeah, open. <laughs> I, I have to caveat that with overtly. Um, it was exciting though because it had a fan experience component to it. So not on the field, but 
Um, it, we know that the East Plaza has now been named the Lou Fuse Plaza. Yep. So that's exciting that uh, that's taking shape a little bit more and we're having a little bit more clarity. And they had more renderings in there that had uh, what it's going to look like with the trees, with the, map the gates. <laughs> the the multiple renderings of me, apparently. Um, <laughs> so great. What, what's up with that? <laughs> it's the one – I don't know. It's that one picture they have. And I saw they did it for other people too. Um, I was nice. the only one who got heat. But it, <laughs> it was funny seeing multiple people in multiple spots in those specific poses. I, I like I like how I'm looking like I'm talking to like a, a, a short invisible friend right behind Elvir. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I don't know I don't know what the idea is there, but um, I think they wanted you to be seen. It was like your pink hat was more highlighter pink <laughs> than anyone else's. <laughs> it is it is a bright hat. I will give yeah. it that. But no, they had the uh, so I think there were three things. There was the official automotive partner. There was the the East Plaza is now Lufus Plaza, and they had their name on the southeast gate. So you'll see the Lufus Automotive Gate. If you guys aren't sick of hearing it, my favorite part is the plaza. It's my favorite part of the the stadium when I went on the tour, and I really am excited. Like, not only we're we gonna get, you know, watch parties, but there's gonna be a massive opportunity to, you know, basically what I saw on Twitter was get fat watching soccer with get beer and, and food, yeah. and well, maybe there were they three need things some treadmills or something. Well, there were three things that stuck out to me about the plaza that were um, either alluded to or known, but not. Um, not highlighted. Uh, one of them is the stage that they're appearing to have on the East Plaza now. So there's some kind of a stage that I'm sure Mastermind's going to have uh, carte blanche to do what he wants mm-hmm. there. The other is um, the the vendors and the concessions on the east side of the stadium seem to now officially have a um, inside outside presence, and so there are going to be um, at, I think at least four or five of the, three, four or five of the vendors who will uh, be able to flip and be outside to that East Plaza, probably on non-game days, maybe on game days too, but especially when they have those watch parties on Saturday mornings, Saturday and Sunday mornings and other events, they're going to be able to um, have concessions directly from the stadium at the plaza. And then the third thing is um, there will be apparently some electrical connections uh, uh, kind of established or constructed on 20th Street so that that to me in from the renderings that's where our food truck line is going to be mm-hmm. and so they, i'm sure they have flexibility into what they can do with it because um, those electrical outlets that will be permanently there uh will probably allow a lot of different things besides food trucks but i think that's going to be the most consistent thing we see on game days which i've seen from other stadiums and the earthquakes have a pretty nice food truck garden uh if we do something similar to that i think it's going to add a different look than just the stadium vendor and what's um, up top, but it'll extend it out uh, all the activities and activations to 20th Street over to where Ala Plaza is. So that's pretty cool. Very much so. I think it was like, I like to follow Dennis. Is it Biganovich? Um, he's like yeah. a big, like St. Louis city pundit. We'll just call him that. Um, city of St. Louis pundit. San, yeah. City of St. Louis. Like he is <laughs> so grouchy and he's so angry about St. Louis all the time, but he loves it so, so much, which is Very like passionate. classic St. Louis city, um, um, citizen in my opinion. But, um, so I follow him for that. He made a good point. There's not much shade. Uh, but I, that can be fixed. I'm not too worried yeah. about that. Um, but uh, my, you know, the other thing to mention is that on that northeast corner of of the uh, stadium, another really cool thing. If whether you've done the tour or not, you may remember the um, bar with the garage doors that just lift up 
And so we'll be able to access that from the plaza as well. I thought that was a really nice plan there. We went way too long on this. I'm so sorry. I, I contributed to that. Um, let's move on to actually we're wrapping it up a little bit. I wanted to talk about personally, I wanted to talk about the fact that we're going to be facing North Texas and slew players, Chase Neese and Isaiah Parker will almost definitely be on the roster. And so that's exciting. Isaiah Parker has been a really effective player for them. I believe he's been playing left back, but he does have one goal and four assists on the season. Chase Neese has played almost every game except for looks like one, two, three on the bench two not in the squad for some reason. Uh, but he's been a pretty steady center back for them. I don't think he's had any trouble per se. I like to think about him and Kip Keller in that Kip Keller has been riding the bench for Austin, except for about three or four appearances. And then we got Chase Neese playing almost every game in North Texas. What would you prefer? That's a tough choice, right? Um, I imagine Kip Keller is probably getting the better of the training in this case, but um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Actually, might as well ask you guys. I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's interesting um, that he's not getting that much playing time. It seems he's only started like seven games. Like you said, um, he's not, he's not a generation Adidas player chase. Uh, mm. So I'm not expecting him to be like FC Dallas ready. Uh, I do like that. They're involving him in whatever rotation they're doing. But I'm excited to see Isaiah Parker, hopefully Friday. I don't know yeah. if Chase is going to get a start or not, but Parker seems like he is a part of their starting 11 pretty routinely. And as a Generation Adidas player from this last year's class, SLU alumni, I think um, you know it would have been cool to have him play while we were at SLU. That would have been pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. But this is the next best thing, and I, mm. I hope that um, I hope he gets a nice ovation. He's number 15 um, on the defense if anybody sees him out there. So... Um, welcome him home. It's it's nice to see St. Louis University and just local St. Louis players return here, even if they're on other teams. Um, you know, I'm sure they they love to be back home as well. He, he wasn't a left back that slew, right? He was both. I think mostly he was a forward, but I know he he okay. spent some time at left back. Okay. Uh, but I will also say I didn't catch that before chase knees just to clarify a little more. He was on the bench twice and not in the squad in the middle of the season uh, so far. And then he's only gotten 45 minutes or less in every game mm. since. And he wasn't in the squad against Houston last week. So you're right. He's kind of fallen off. So I hope we see him. Maybe they'll give him a shot since he's coming back to his hometown. Of course, we're rooting for him. If yeah, you're going to so. rotate players, I mean, find a good excuse to get them in the roster where they're going to perform. You know, he, if he plays, obviously you'd think he would have a, whether it's a chip on his shoulder or just want to perform better being in front of his, his family, probably and, and local friends. That's the kind of thing in this league. Like, why wouldn't you give this kind of guy yeah. an opportunity yeah. in this, in this particular game? Completely agree. Uh, two team, you have plenty of freedom for that. Come on. Yeah. Um, all right. This but, was the big one. Oh, go ahead. We didn't answer your question about oh, what yeah, do you so prefer. Uh, what would obviously, you I think I will go with uh, riding the bench on MLS and yeah. training every day with those guys. And it's interesting because Kipi, uh, at the beginning of the season, he started a few games and he got up like a mid-game and, and then like a four or five games into it, he he was on the bench but not getting any minutes. Um I think uh, two, three weeks ago, somebody got injured and he came in. And then the next game, he got the start and he got a red card. Oh so my that's, that's kind of unfortunate for him. Uh, 
but um, but yeah, I think I would prefer that situation and, and be ready for whenever they need me. A little inside scoop here. I think I don't think I wasn't supposed to share this, but no one's going to go talking about this. I think the he was getting a lot of yellow cards, too. So like oh. that red card really was like that might be a bit of a nail in a coffin in that, you know, he's he's a young player and he doesn't have the experience to control himself in those moments. He plays with passion right and i think that's going to serve him well long term but in his rookie season um it makes sense for them to be more careful with him he's already gotten more looks than jack Meredith in his first half of the first season so i'm not complaining at this point i often i did complain about mayor a lot but i think we're starting to i'm starting to realize that maybe this is this is common for a rookie in mls coming from college well and when you see yeah exactly when you see what Mayer's doing now in what his yeah. third season yeah it's it gives you hope for yeah exactly it gives you hope for the slow start and the development and the Mm -hmm. acclimation all right this is a long one unfortunately guys we got to try to speak as quickly as we can i will forego my opinions on this one because i didn't do much research anyway a really cool article came out free agency came out by the mlspa today and it's a long list of players and is it yeah tom bogert and someone else in mls did an article on it listing about what six or eight players um, mm-hmm. that they would love to see go to certain teams really cool article you should look at that you should look at the list of free agents and maybe we can all kind of put a wish list out there that would be fun actually um but matt let's yeah. start with you i know you posted some things today um maybe you were just commenting but uh free agents for city what are your thoughts so of the list, um, just right, I mean, running right into it, I think it was Matt Doyle uh, from the MLS Soccer article mentioned that uh, Franco Escobar from LAFC uh, is likely to he would fit well with City and their expansion project, as he, as he referred to it as. Um, he's 27 years old, 28 uh, by next year. He's making um, near the league maximum right now, so he would probably develop into a TAM player. Yeah, if he leaves LAFC, so he he'd be an expensive, um, probably right center back, right back, right wing back. If if you know that's the kind of style that he'd fit into, but he's played that that right side of the back line. Um, he's an MLS champion, MLS Cup champion with Atlanta United. Recently landed in LAFC and has found himself um, behind, uh, I believe, Hollingshead uh, in the depth chart. So he, he could be one who LAFC might not want to keep hold of, especially with his high price tag and the just the work that they're doing on their roster. They're, they just seem like they're spending a ton of money elsewhere on their roster. Um, so that was the one that's, that was highlighted in the article that City could be interested in. But I think one thing that struck me about this article, and I saw it was a, it was a post somebody made on Twitter uh, from one of like the USMNT accounts that asked a question of, what comes like what's the what's the process free agency expansion draft like what is what does this mean for us this whole thing here and so i looked into the last few years on timeline and when we can expect this to actually take fruit so as we're thinking through these players and who we're interested in um it's important to know that the expansion draft is going to happen before free agency really opens Mm. so the the expansion draft has historically happened anywhere from four days after the league, uh, after the cup ends, the, the MLS cup match all the way to like two weeks after it just depends. And the added wrinkle this year is the, the world cup is going to be happening about three weeks or so after MLS cup happens. Hmm. So if they want to fit, um, and start MLS free agency prior to the world cup to get that ball rolling, 
then we're really looking at around the November 9th through the 20th for the expansion draft to happen. And then it's, it is the next day that free agency opens. So we start getting lists of players made public uh, right before the expansion draft on who's protected, who's not. And then the day of the expansion draft, we usually get a list of the actual free agents that will be available. Uh, so we can be looking to early to mid-November for this. And the, the other thing is this list contains those who are uh, able to be free agents, but mm-hmm. there are caveats in this article and in the one on The Athletic about that doesn't mean that the they won't re-sign with their team. Right. And often, oftentimes this list yeah. is usually culled down quite a bit um, when teams want to retain their players. And, and they're not really restricted necessarily, but a lot of the times they're um, the, the higher, especially the younger players like Daniel Saloy is a good example of a player on this list who we would love to have could be that number 10 could be that um, really exciting midfield uh, option, but it's unlikely that sporting's going to let him go. So that's, that's the other caveat to me. Um, Santi, you were, you had one player in particular. I know we were talking on, on Twitter that you'd kind of really be interested in us signing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so before I talk about that player, uh, when you were talking about the timelines, just make sure you don't make the same mistake, uh, Austin FC made, um, last year or a couple of years ago, they drafted, a on the expansion draft, they drafted a free agent, Joe Corona, and then, uh, yep. He, he went somewhere else. So that's something yeah. to, to keep in mind. Uh, I'm sure City knows all about that. So, um, but yeah, uh, the one that from that list, the one that I really like is uh, Alexander Callens uh, from New York City FC. And uh, he plays for the Peruvian national team, center back. And as, as Matt said at uh, one of his tweets, he will make a great pair uh, with... Um, with uh I, nelson. nelson with nelson yeah sorry yeah thanks guys I, I think him and nelson will will make a great pair and uh when i was thinking a little bit about it like okay if that's the pair how does yarrow come into play um but i don't know i think uh like i think it's gonna come down to okay do do i want like another like world-class center back or do I plug in Yarrow? I think either way it will it will go well. But um, just having Callens, uh, success in MLS, success internationally with his national team, I think uh, having two internationals at center back will will make a a great pair for for City and kind of completes that spine that that Lutz has been uh, looking for and. He has been now. He has to start adding pieces to that. So from that top ten list, uh, that's the one that I really like. Uh, I spent some time looking at at that list, and um, there are some interesting players. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys for um, thinking about goal scoring, uh, another forward. Would you prefer somebody with MLS experience and success scoring an MLS or Will you uh, take a shot at another guy, maybe from South America or a young player? What What are your thoughts on that? I would prefer because I, I was thinking about several strikers on this list. I prefer someone who knows how to press or would be willing to press. I think that's like, are they a willing runner and a willing worker? I think that's more important than 
where they came from. And, uh, you know, uh, do we want someone in MLS, even an American, like, would we want, um, I don't know. Zardes probably would be willing to run, but like another player might not. And that's not something I'd want. Yeah, maybe <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the, um, the maybe on striker. I don't know if he would run his ass off. Abobasi? Abobasi, yeah. Yeah. Maybe what? I don't know. See, I look at this list and see so many defenders on here who are exciting and promising. Yeah. And we have probably two, maybe three if we use a three center back, but really two, um, the right center back and that right back. And so that that's why, you know, it was laid on a silver platter for us to look at. But Franco Escobar could make sense as a right back. It would be an expensive right back to spend TAM money on. But he would be 28 years old. He would uh, have that experience in the kind of system that I think would work well, where a right wing back in Atlanta United system, they push up high. And so I think that provides him the experience of what he would be asked to do for our team. Um, And he's not uh, an MLS veteran. Well, he is an MLS veteran, but not to the extent where he's like Alejandro Bedoya, who's 35 years old. Like that's a player I'm just crossing off the list right now. Not just because he's going to stay in Philly, but because we wouldn't be looking to him. Mm. Uh, And so, I mean, there are a lot of defenders on this list, center backs in particular and right backs who are very intriguing. Um, We're looking at Aaron long, Alexander Collins, like Santi said, um, Anton Tinnerholm from NYCFC, Another right back. He's a little. Uh, he's, he's over thirty, um, for what that's worth. Um, but there are there are a handful of players. Ryan Hollingshead's on here. Um, Emma Tomasi, um, Andreo Fontas. I think there there are definitely players who could fit the mold and the options. This is telling me the options are there for really quality free agents that we're not probably going to have to pay um, Gam to get or. We, we are going to follow that same uh, model that Lutz has looked at internationally to find good deals and players that fit the system and aren't valued where they are. Um, cheaper options, for lack of a better term. Yeah, You guys have landed on like the two that I think the most about. I have other worries for different reasons, but I think so much about whether we want another, like you said, Santi, world-class center back when we've got Josh Yarrow and Hebert and a couple um, promising academy players that I'd hate to see not get the chance. Uh, but you know, it wouldn't hurt us. It would, you know, like, are we building to compete in MLS? Are we building to win MLS? Are we building to go to CCL and win it? You know what I mean? If we're building to go to CCL and win it, I want Collins. I want him every day of the week. Right. But, um, I think about that, but I also think about our right, right back style. I would say we're most shallow in our entire team at right back. And we don't, look for right backs like if Ezra was right footed for some reason we don't have a bombing forward right back so it does make sense that is it Escobar at LAFC really fits the mold for the way we've been using our right backs at City 2 and so that would make sense you know I've always been one that wants Mark Segbers to land at City next year and get a chance as an attacking wing back and um, he'd really kill it I think he'd be like an Ezra Armstrong on steroids but um, I'm not sure that's going to happen because of the the types of, of right backs we've, we've had, but we could use another right back. We could pull one in, in the next couple of weeks and I'd be pretty happy about it. You know what I mean? 
Right back's yeah. an interesting position to me just because of how we've seen it used in City 2 where Ben DeRosa often doesn't push as high up as our left side. Yeah. And I, I've, I've mentioned this a lot about how... Phil Watts does the same thing, yeah. Right, we, we have this weird shift that occurs yeah. um, often to our left side. And we know that Pedro, from what we've seen, can play that style. He does like to push up in mm-hmm. a lot of the video that we've seen. So you can see that kind of style being played for uh for city next year so in that regard do we need a right back that can push up high and act like yeah. a wing back or do we need more of a right center back who can kind of uh hold a little deeper um maybe shift over as you need to where he looks on the field like he's playing in that uh three center back uh right center back role and when we got pedro last thing i'll say is that lutz said it's hard to nail down that left-footed wide attacking player or two-way player or something like that. And so it sounds to me like he's not at all worried about right backs. Like he can find right backs a dime a dozen, but nailing down someone like Pedro that plays your style with a left foot that can cross it in someone like Ezra, someone like, um, um, Kwame, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we've really, really piled up some left footed players, left sided players, if you include a kill Watts. So, um, you know, that's not, an accident. I don't think, um, as far as the way Lutz's head thinks on building a team. So, well, to that point you just made about how, you know, right backs are a dime a dozen type of, because of what you're looking at them to do in this to me, if, if that's the mindset that we think that Lutz is probably using to construct this roster, you can cross off just about every single right back on this list because they're expensive. Uh. Like they're, 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 they're veteran. They're they're on a top 10 list for a reason. Most of them are making near league maximum. Most Some of them are already making TAM amount. Some are pushing DP status like Aaron Long. Um, I know he's a center back, but uh, I think Tinner Holm in particular uh, is a right back who is going to be a TAM player. And if he doesn't leave NYCFC, he's going to garner near DP money. So to me, if if that's – and that makes a lot of sense, Phil. That's, that's a really good way to look at it. I, I kind of then – look to this list of saying okay right backs we're crossing them off where would we want to get that mls experience like santi was talking about and it could be in that attacking mid position mm-hmm. well, i had thought really ostrak was going to try to fill that role but if we're now thinking because he's listed on the the roster as a winger then that is a perfect spot not necessarily a number 10 i'm still not sold that we have a true number 10 need on this mm-hmm. roster but as that center attacking mid, um, and we know that um, Leuven's going to be that number six type um, right. central mid holding mid type of player, the box to box. That is a and, and I really wish Daniel Saloy could fill that role mm-hmm. um, if SKC leaves, uh, lets him go. But that that position to me is going to be very closely watched when we go into the expansion draft and when we start looking through all these free agents. Yeah, one attacking midfielder from that list uh, that I like is uh, Latif Blessing from mm-hmm. LAFC. But one thing I wanted to to mention, uh, we missed this on uh, Alexander Callens. He has a green card, so yep. I think Ooh. that's going to come into play uh, when Lutz and the team are looking for, for, for free agents. Uh, and and um, when I look at the list, and I'm going to tell you some of the players that... Uh, that uh, when I look at the list, caught my attention. So um, Brandon Vasquez, center forward from Cincinnati FC, but he could probably stay with Cincinnati FC or or they will sell him to to go overseas. Uh, so Latif Blessing, um, Memo Rodriguez from um, Houston Dynamo, uh, left midfielder. Um, 
Joao Moutinho, left back. So now thinking about left backs, probably all of these are kind of out of the list. One that I really like, but uh, w when Matt uh, made the comments about having Pedro, uh, one that I really like is uh, Jimmy Medranda. He plays for Seattle Sounders, um, and he could play as a left back or as a left winger. Hmm. And uh, he also has a green card, and he's 28, so... Uh, could be another option. Another player I like uh, is Tommy Thompson from uh, San Jose. <laughs> oh, He's a yeah. right back. Uh, haven't heard so, that name in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But one thing I was going to say, like, yeah, we can put all any names we like on this list, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the players we, we end up bringing is players that are on this list, but are not that like well known and are not like the biggest yeah. stars. And as Matt was alluding to, like, uh, some of these players will, will be in that uh, TAM territory. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of the players that we bring are not some of the players that we have talked about. And that's the other side to this, too. And Matt, you were just about to kind of get to this point, but they're expensive, but they're also free agents, probably for a reason, because those teams probably feel like they can bring someone in for less and still replace them, maybe on the same level or close to it. So, yeah, right. you got to be careful with these. And, and that that uh, kind of is a parallel to what Santi was saying about the green card, because if if a uh, if a player needed to fill an international slot, we would probably at that point be needing to trade for an international slot. Yeah. And the, the market for an international slot, um, depending on the team and, and the need and and who else is involved, like another player or another draft pick. It's been going anywhere from one hundred seventy five thousand in GAM to two hundred fifty thousand in GAM. So a straight a straight uh, international slot by itself uh, went to Charlotte bought two for five hundred thousand in GAM, and uh, I think it was Atlanta United uh, bought one for uh, one hundred seventy five thousand, but there were add ons. There was like a draft picks included in that. So it's it's not cheap in the uh, MLS monopoly money world to <laughs> even though we're getting extra GAM for being an expansion team, like an extra million or so. Um, spending that wisely and we, we harped on Charlotte for, are they spending it wisely? Yeah. I would argue that they might be spending it wisely. They're not having a, the worst season in the world. They're mm. fighting for playoff contention to their credit. Um, but I don't necessarily want us to be in that position. And I'm confident that we won't because of the, um, market savviness that Lutz and, and group have proven themselves on the international market. We know that they are familiar with and know Hackworth is very familiar with MLS roster rules. And they're going, I, I have all the confidence in the world they're going to be smart in uh, targeting players like um, maybe a Collins who they don't need to use an international slot. So they're saving $200,000, $250,000 in GAM right there to where they may be okay spending a um, million and putting him on a TAM deal uh, to bring him in. So that that a lot of that plays into it. I, this is one thing where I, I do feel like there's been a plan all along. And I think the plan has been, we've said it over and over because we get these Twitter complaints, like what's with all the foreigners? When are we going to start signing Americans? That's because now's the time to sign international players. It's you bring them in early, you get them acclimated. We're even playing them on our two team. We're going to that extent, you know, and then we're going to go buck wild very shortly on all American players or players with green cards. And I do think we're going to go crazy with that. I, I don't, I'm not too worried about going crazy like Charlotte did. I hope we don't. It, it was something that bothered me 
it is paying off. Like you said, Matt, I, I, I respect it more now. Um, but I, I'm just one of those guys where I look the other way with these stupid MLS rules because the better this league gets, the better our American players are, the better the floor is for our national team, which is, you know, the ultimate goal in a lot of ways is to kind of get the USMNT to a, a world-class level. And I want that to happen. I want MLS to play its part in that. And I want city to play its part in that as well. I want some high class American players coming out of this city and playing for our national team and taking us to a world cup uh, someday before I die. That'd be really nice to see. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the fire hose to your, to your point of uh, we have to wait until the MLS season is over to, ha- to sign the domestic players. The fire hose is going to open for city in November. Yeah. So yeah. Cir- circle that entire month on your calendar. That is when our domestic players are going to start being signed uh, as soon as MLS Cup is over, uh, be on the lookout for our rosters are filling up very quickly. And we only have one international slot left to use unless we start trading for some. And um, Mario on Twitter, I think, had some really good points that, you know, I don't necessarily oppose anything related to where we're signing the players from, but I do want us to be smart about our roster rules and how we're uh, taking advantage of things that are available to us. And we do have a young DP that can be signed. Uh, and if if that player is, for instance, from South America, then they'll occupy an international slot. Mm-hmm. And so that could be number eight. So if we if we if we were to sign um, a third designated player and we don't want to pay a hundred fifty thousand dollar gam penalty for having a third DP, then they have to be uh, under twenty five years old. And so that type of a player historically in MLS would uh, you could you see that pipeline from Argentina, from the South American countries that would make sense for us to use if they fit our system. And so that's one thing beyond the free agent list that I really hope we still take advantage of because there's still that other international slot and we could still buy some more. Expect it. Santiago, any last thoughts before we go? Uh, no, no, I don't have anything else. Wonderful. Well, I've been out of wine for a little while, so I'm going to go take whatever's <laughs> left of the bottle downstairs. Uh, we could have gone on this one for another hour. I'm sure of it. So this maybe a like one. a yeah. over footy after dark. We have several more of these and we <laughs> stop caring about how long we talk and we just make it, you know, voluntary sign in and talk with us. That'd be a lot of fun. So maybe in the future we'll do something like that. Oh, yeah. For now, thanks everyone who might be listening right now. Thanks to Matt and Santiago. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.